This is MC Fireside Chats, a weekly show devoted to the outdoor hospitality industry, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. You'll hear from special guests that focus on topics to help your business succeed, all backed by Modern Campground, the most innovative news source in the industry. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of MC Fireside Chats. My name is Brian Cyril with Insider Perks. We are going to be joined shortly by Kara Sismadia, our regular co-host. She's just in a meeting finishing it up, so she'll be here in a few minutes, hopefully. We're also hoping to be joined by Sean from Four Points RV Resorts. He is scheduled to be on the show, too, maybe running a couple minutes late. And then Duncan Winship is also running a couple minutes late. So hopefully we'll have a, a few more voices on here. But in the meantime, we've got some really exciting guests. Joe Dumeg is obviously joining us from At My Community, regular on this week's show, as well as Mike Harrison from CRR Lifestyle. We do have Amir Harpaz from, is it Tory Pines RV Resort, Amir? It's actually RV Golfing, but I guess we're at Tory Trails RV and Golf Resort. Okay, I'm not smart enough to know on my own. I just go by the show notes that people provide me. So I'm just really a freak. I'm not even a pretty talking head. I can't even say that. I'm just a talking head. So I don't really know what I bring to the table, but I'm glad that people here that are smart that can correct me. So welcome Brian, to the show, Amir. I didn't hear you. <laughs> you, thought, you thought Amir's golfing in San Diego. That's what I would be doing. But anyway, but yeah, so super excited to have you guys here. And Amir's going to talk to us a little bit about EVs and things like that. Amir, do you want to just take it away and introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about your Sure, sure. Program. Yeah, I'm with Harp Development. I'm a partner in Harp Development. We've been developing RV parks and campgrounds in Southeast United States since 80s. And we currently own and operate five. Glory Trails is our latest one, and that's located in Central South Florida, just below Orlando. One complete will be 721 sites. Right now we have completed 368 of those and 210 of those 368 sites are all enabled, meaning you can park your RV, have it plugged in and charge your electric car at the same time. Awesome. So I definitely want to dive into that. We want to talk about EVs and some of the things, you know, you've got going on, obviously, besides Tori and stuff like that. Before I forget, I do need to mention that today's episode is sponsored by Firefly Reservations. We're super excited to have them here. We're going to play a brief video and then we'll be right back from Firefly. Did you know most campers prefer to reserve online? Are you missing reservations? Firefly makes it easy to run your campground and accept reservations online anytime. With Firefly, you can quickly message campers. Simply handle ongoing reservations and automate emails and payment processing, giving you back time to run your campground. You can start your free trial today. No credit card needed. Visit FireflyReservations.com to learn more. So super thankful for Firefly for being a sponsor of this episode on a recurring basis. We're really grateful for them for their support. So let's dive into this, Amir, a little bit. Unless Joe or Mike, you have anything on your plates that you feel is super urgent we should be talking about first? All right, Amir, tell us, and I want to talk about eBay's and stuff, but before we do that, you've got a long established relationship in the Florida area. So are you okay? Did you, what happened? Is everything good? Yeah, personally, obviously, physically, myself and my family are all good. Thankfully, we've had some damage to our property, but still roof over our heads. So that's great. Our sure. RV parks, ironically, the one that the eye of the hurricane went over hasn't had any damage whatsoever, apart from some landscaping well the other one where the outer bands of the hurricane hit we did lose a bathhouse all i'm actually all not i'm actually not not too concerned about that never liked the bathhouse so i get to rebuild it from scratch the way i want <laughs> always glass half full right um yeah. but yeah that's really good to hear like ultimately we hate that you lost the bathhouse and but given some of the damage that we saw to other properties in the area i know, I know. I, i'm very fortunate i'm very fortunate yeah. I'm people i mean if you go a little bit west of where i'm located it's total destruction it's like port myers beach i've heard that 94 percent of the homes are gone for good yeah. it's definitely a really tragic situation so we yeah. always hope that those guys get through it anything we can do to lend our support to obviously you or anybody you know please reach out let me know and we'll do whatever we can to help and support obviously appreciate sure. that 
appreciate that. Lots of people are, are on the ground. And I know Bobby's doing an awesome job with the association too. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about somebody happy. Maybe that's happy. Maybe it's not happy. I hear like the charging networks aren't up to staff and people are worried about whether they're going to have the amperage and what to do with people. So maybe it's not happy, but we're going to try to make it happy because it's coming yeah. and we can't stop it. So talk right. to us about EVs at, at Tory and maybe some of the other properties and maybe what went into your philosophy when preparing for these things. It's a great, great question. And we've been toying with this for probably a year and a half now. You probably know Mike Sorensen from Wild Energy and real how this whole thing started with him. We, we've implemented his technology throughout the park. So every one of the 368 existing sites has a Wild Energy meter on them. And for those who don't know, really what it allows us to do is to meter the sites remotely. We don't have to send a work camper or physical person to the site to read it. Really great savings on operational costs. And we like the technology around the meters. We're big fans of, of what he does. And then the industry, actually not me, the industry started talking about EV chargers and I was reading on Modern Campground and Woodalls, everybody talks about it. And then at the shows, you had all the suppliers trying to push level one, two, three chargers. And we started seeing over the past probably two to three years, people towing Teslas or the Chevy Chevrolet Volt, and then they unplug their, their motorhome and plug their car in. And, you know, well, talking to guests and I know primarily the industry was trying to push, oh, why don't you allocate a small portion of your campground, whether it's by the welcome center or some other area and install two or three or four chargers. And which in many cases, it does make sense. In many cases, the only thing you can do, if you don't have the right infrastructure in the ground uh, to support uh, a lot of power, but we were under construction at the time when all this started going in the industry. And so we sat down with Mike and we said, Mike, help us. We really want to see how, what's the right way to tackle EV or what's the right way for us, I should say, to tackle EV. EV charging because the federal government announcing that by 2028, all car manufacturers will be electric. What can we do to future-proof our investment in the park? Is that and, federal? I'm sorry to interrupt you, but is that federal or is that just California and Oregon now, I think? But, okay. I didn't hear that. About manufacturing. That's at least that's what they say, whether they stick there or not. That's a question for, that's above my pay grade, but at least... That's where you read. But anyway, we started talking to some of our guests that did come in with EVs and how would you want to charge? And obviously everybody, you want to charge on our lot, on our lot. And then we also thought if I need to now, if I have four chargers and 20 people want to charge, now I have an asset I need to manage. I need to create booking slots just like, and then what if the guy walks away and doesn't come back to pick up the car and then I create a queue behind They leave a laundry in the laundry room and the dryer can't be used like that? Exactly. It's exactly the same exact, it's a great mm -hmm. example. And we also decided that we were not going to offer charge charging ability to people that come off the street. Meaning if you don't stay with us, we have no desire to become a gas station. We don't see that as a income source unless not even an income source. We don't want to have people come in and use us as a gas station. So we decided yep. that the right way was to upsize the transformers in the park and offer and really deliver 200 amps to every V site instead of the traditional 100 amps, the 50, 30, 20, or in older parks, even less. And then have a traditional 50, 30, 20 pedestal in the back for the RV. And then just a small, cheap 50 amp pedestal at the front of the lot for your electric vehicle. If you have one, so it's very cost-effective. It costs next to nothing to do per site. The transformers, that's a Florida power and light issue. It doesn't cost me anything. Pedestals are slightly more expensive and you need bigger wires in the ground to support the additional voltage. But we found that since people are staying at least one night with us, who cares if it takes you eight to 10 hours to charge? That's in the worst case scenario because typically people don't show up with a battery that's completely depleted four or five hours and they're good to go and people actually we found out once we launched it in september that people really like it they like the fact that they don't have to drive anywhere in the park to charge so obviously on the back end once you plug in and mike's 
system communicates with our property management system, a new book, and billing starts taking place in the background. And when you check out, it just bills you. Mike, Mike Harrison, what have you done with EVs on your properties? I know we've talked about it a couple of times, but, and maybe even on the show, but just briefly, do you want to say what you're doing at your resorts? Yeah, we haven't done anything with the resort in Arizona. We are looking into the one in Coachella, looking at grants as well as working with Tesla to see if that is something that makes sense for the off-highway. That changes the dynamic, obviously, as Amir said, we want to be a gas station, maybe. So we, we believe we will have some version of power charging when Coachella opens for EVs. And that's going to be our trial, if you will, to see how it goes, because all of our resorts are fairly conveniently located off major highways. It's just one of our locational preferences. So it may really work there. But Amir, I'm just curious, <clears throat> what kind of capital investment did you have to make? How much of that was supplemented by grants and what kind of return do you think? Nothing was, it's all private money, all our money. And really the additional expense per lot was probably $600. And really all it was is putting in a bigger pedestal, their 50 amp breaker, and a conduit and wire to the front of the lot, and literally a $40, 50 amp pedestal just for the EV. So the ROI is immediate because there's also the intangible ROI, how the consumer sees you. That makes your park more attractive, but the ROI is immediate because of, and again, because of Mike's technology. Well, it's immediate in terms of recouping some costs, but if it's a quarter million dollar capital investment, Clearly that's, I'm just curious. That's what we've been trying to think of is, do you have a couple main charging stations and some of the bigger ones up at the front? Is there one that goes at every site? <clears throat> what does a quarter million of a capital investment get you in terms of, will you get that back as people who are going to stay with you that wouldn't normally have stayed with you? Is there that much volume? Uh, I, I, think kind of we need to, I need, think we need to take a step back then. It's like the park we're talking about is a long-term park. Mm -hmm. So it's not a transit right. park. So people typically come in and stay for either a season or we have the park as annuals are and, and seasonal. It's located in South Florida, so it's not a very transient market. I think in a location like yours, where you say you're off the highway, having chargers and being a gas station may mix, make sense. If you look at fast chargers, either were initially introduced for when people were going shopping or grocery stores. They want it to be in and out in 30 minutes and have their car charged. It's not the case for us. People were more, it's an RV park, but the operational model is like an apartment complex. So we really, yeah, we have I don't want people going in, booking time slots at an EV charger. People want to stay on hundred percent. Yeah. And I think that's good feedback. And we have a good mix of annuals also. I'm curious, what kind of usage or take rate have you had? Like how many EVs? Have you seen at your park since you installed all these? And was it more than it was before? So I can't say that yet. We're open. Just those sites have been have opened on September 1st. The season for us really hasn't really started yet. Doesn't start till January, but there's been a lot of hype. A lot of the industry has definitely been talking about my park a lot and the, the response from what we've seen, whether it's Facebook that people talk about it and phone calls that we're getting and the fact that we're really the real thought behind it, if I'm honest, was the future proof the park, because if in a decade from now, I think we're going to be in a totally different place where we are today. And I'm not building a park for a year. I'm sitting on it for next decade. I want to make sure I have the infrastructure to support what's coming. Yep. And I apologize if Brian didn't tell you, you were going to be grilled with all these questions. That is fine. No, I'm happy to talk about it. I have a lot of calls from other campground owners and people that come and visit me to see what we've done and, or even zoom calls where we show them how the back office of all this works and how the billing and operations work. I'm happy to share with everybody. Thank you. For, for reference, Amir, Mike is yep. the bad cop and Joe is the good cop on the show. Typically. <laughs> Mike's just got better questions. Joe, I'm curious. You know, Mike Sorex really has been instrumental in making this work for us. He's probably yeah. He's been on the show. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Our last one actually was he? Yeah. Okay. I believe so. I'm old. Um, I forget what happened yesterday. But Joe, I was going to ask you if you if you have a comment, please do that first. But I was just going to ask you on with your clientele, have you seen kind of adoption of EV pedestals or? 
I am. I'll get to my my question in a second, but yeah, I have not. I have not seen them talking too much about it. It's talked about in every show we go to. That's kind of the big topic. But for the most part, my customers haven't been asking us about integrating into things. (laughs) Nor have I seen them being pushed there. But I would expect it to be coming soon, as much as it gets talked about at shows. But I do have a question for Amir in terms of, especially with your park growing so rapidly. Right, you're going to have 700 pads pretty soon. Is this is one of the other reasons doing this is to be in that thing that sets you apart from the other others to ask people to come to your park versus other parks? No question. Good marketing channel. No, no question. It's certainly that intangible. The perception of being at the forefront of technology certainly helps. And even I see the excitement from some of the big REITs in our industry calling, wanting to come and see it. I know they're actually... I know for Mike, you, he's getting calls from them say, hey, can you show us what you've done at Tory Trails? So we really, and that sparked conversation for him with them. We were really his beta site. We bet a lot on what he does and it worked well for us. And I really think in five years, if we have this show again in five years, the conversation is going to be not will people be using it, but how many people are using it? I have zero doubt in my mind. Even I 100% agree with you. And we will, hopefully we'll have the show in five years. I'll look yeah. the same because I still have no hair. So you <laughs> won't be able to tell gray or black or whatever else. But yeah, I think that's all. all, all, all GMC announced their, their EV Denali yesterday. You're going to yeah, see. And that's kind of the point. This yeah. is inevitable, right? Like we know this, everybody knows this. They may not like it. They may not want it. They may not be ready for it. They may not. They want to put it off just like Wi-Fi, right? How many conference tiers? We still talk about that, but it took what 10 years of having the same session at every conference over and over and over before we had critical, like most people had at least some form of Wi-Fi. Yeah. And so I think it's just, it's change and different. And obviously it's a capital expense that not everybody would love to have more of, especially heading into the economic times where we might be going, but uh, it's a necessity it's happening And, and I can't wait to see it evolve. Like I, I imagine 20, 30 years from now, they're going to figure out wireless charging for these EVs. And then you just build it into your concrete bed. They just pull in and, poof, exactly. and just plug in. that'll come to it. And, and the point is there's no right or wrong way. You need to look at what type of park you have, what type of infrastructure you have. Maybe your park is sold and the infrastructure is sold. Your only option is to build two or three or four fast chargers somewhere. I think you're right. Sean, do we have you? Like you, your video keeps popping in and out and I'm not sure if you're really there, but if you're with us, pop on I'm your video. Here. can you hear me? Yes, we can, Sean. Yep. Can you hear Can't me? see you, but we can hear you. Sorry guys. I don't know what's going on with my camera and I tried the link earlier and everything seemed to be working fine, but for whatever reason, can't get my camera to come on, but I'm here and I'm okay. glad to participate. Yeah, we thought Targo on a couple times, so it just then went right off. But as long as we can hear you, that's okay. We'll broadcast it as a podcast later. Duncan's joining us too. Welcome Duncan. Hopefully your child is home safe now and you're able. Good. All right. Sean, you want to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about Four Points RV Resorts while we have you. Sure. My name is Sean Vidrain with Four Points RV Resorts. We currently operate a a portfolio of Jellystone Parks and also non-Jellystone Parks. So our three Jellystones, one is in Pennsylvania, one is in Illinois, and one is in Iowa. And uh, we have another park called Paradise Ranch RV Resort in Southern Mississippi. And we're currently working on a couple more acquisitions. What we do is everything that we do is is extreme value add. So we currently just just opened up 120 additional sites that we were developing at Paradise. We currently have projects like that going on at all of our other parks as well. But to, but to speak about the EV, we are definitely, that's part of our focus as well. We definitely have plans as we continue to, to expand our parks to make sure that we have the ability for charging stations to be there for EV, because we know that it's inevitable, as you said earlier, that we're going to be dealing with that in the future. So better be for it now rather than be behind the eight ball. Sean, I actually want to add without going into names, but I've, I got a park in Georgia and that's not EV enabled at all, but next to mine, there's a, a brand new park and that's not EV enabled either, but they are taxing each and every customer. If you come in with an EV, you got to pay an additional $25. And that's, I think it goes back to their inability to deal. How do I deal with this type of customer? How do I monitor what they do? So, in an ironic way, if you have an EV or being taxed, even if you won't plug it in. I think the market is going to correct that eventually, right? Right. Uh, and, and it, as the EVs are more widely adopted, much more than they are today, 
And I think eventually the market's going to correct that. And those parks are going to feel some pushback from their clientele who are getting charged and maybe not charging. That's a tongue twister, but yeah. I think those correct themselves. Just like we, we had a conversation up here and with some, a group in Canada yesterday, they're allowing credit card fees to be passed on to consumers here. And so some of the big companies like TELUS and stuff for the internet are passing along those as an additional part to the bill. And we were having the conversation about, do I put that as an add-on fee? And I think the answer is still, the more you can bundle into raise your prices to cover that fee, but the more you can bundle, the less consumers pay attention to and have to gripe about. So yeah, you need to cover your electricity costs for EVs. Absolutely. But how you do that, I think is going to be the difference in a, in a perception of consumers. So people don't realize when you plug an EV, when an RV gets plugged in, your amperage is all over the place, goes up and down. When you plug an EV for four or five hours, if you unplug your RV and plug, you have a 50 amp draw constantly. The, the electric usage just goes through the roof. And all of a sudden that site that you're charging 49 or $50 for, your expenses of running that site for that gas maybe double than what it is with the customer next door. Yeah. So, so for sure, but that's the way we solve these things is to talk about them, is to talk to people who've built them, is to figure out what your expenses are, have you share your knowledge with the industry, just like you and Mike were going back and forth. And I think that's, that's the only way we move forward is to share that because it's coming and we have to figure out a way to solve it as an industry. And the only way to do that is to talk to each other. Duncan, are you preparing for any EV work at your park? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Any new power upgrades that we put into the park, we put in with the capability of the site, having the ability to handle both the RB and EV type. Really at this point in time, we're talking about less than 10% of the vehicle population at this point in time. It'll be curious yeah. to see as we get more penetration into the market, what's the adoption rates, what's the energy policy that are going to come out of this. There's a lot of permutations that come into it. Some parks are advocating that we meter everything moving forward and that it's a set fee and some guests will self-moderate their consumption rates. I, I lead more towards baking it in, but I'm also a shorter state park. I don't have a lot of people staying more than two weeks really at the most. And so for me and our kind of concept, we like to just bake it in at one price and then have it be that price for everyone across the board, regardless of electricity consumption. We have a lot of cabins. So one of the concerns I see is having how to cater to the guests who bring electric vehicles, but are staying in a cabin. And I think that will be a more, you would have charging stations either at your main building or a secondary location or stuff like that. But it depends on how much penetration we get. I have four chargers, 60 cabins. What does that turn into? I think actually, Duncan, from my experience, be charging and electric metering on, on short-term parks is a bigger issue than it is on parks like mine that are longer term. I've seen people come and this is actually, as Mike, I don't know if Mike brought up the story here, but we've seen people that come in with a fifth wheel and all of a sudden, Mike, I get a call from Mike, what is this guy doing on your side? I said, I don't know, Mike. Then we find out there's a massive crypto mining operation inside his fifth wheel, like tens and tens of computers. We've seen people that come in and bring massive commercial deep fryer and connecting it actually to the pedestal next door to the 30 amp. The way Mike and I- Are those the norm or are those the exception to the rule? To me, it's my job as a park operator is to minimize any misuse of utilities. And obviously my goal is always the NOI and to make sure that I treat my guests fair and they treat the park fair the way we're discussing the, and I'll give you an example that a Prevo that comes in will draw more than an EV actually. So that alone eats into your, into your nightly profit. But the way Mike and I are addressing this, sorry, Brian, let me just finish that. Uh -huh. We're taking an average of what a normal person uses and we're saying, okay, let's build a 30 amp kilowatt hour day allowance. And once you, you get past it, you get charged and I don't care what you have. Maybe that's the answer though, what you just hit on, right? Maybe the answer is dynamic pricing for the type of rig and the type of vehicle instead of just the rate. Maybe that's what we're seeing in, in cold areas. I got a place in the Appalachian mountains, the newer RVs because of liability issues don't even have propane heaters anymore. It's all electric. I think to your point earlier, Brian, I remember 
back in 2001 <clears throat> when we were switching to internet at the hotels. And do you charge for it? Do you not charge for it? What happens to the phone in the room? What happens is it, and obviously this is before wireless and it's evolved over the last 20, 20 years. And if you think of the hotels, then they started instituted tiered pricing for basic Wi-Fi and then premium Wi-Fi. And every hotel conference included discussions about Wi-Fi. <clears throat> and as we've heard several times, Wi-Fi in our V resort is now a utility, right? So I think the EV is probably, we're in that 2001 phase now where people are talking about EV. Hey, we think we need to do EV and there's no good answer, right? What Amir suggested all sounds excellent, but what Duncan says, well, that might not work for me. And what I say is, well, not necessarily for me either, but how about this? And so I think there's going to be a lot of this trial and error discover, And eventually the EV is probably going to become a utility like Wi-Fi, as people figure. But I think we're talking five to 10 years from now of adoption. Even with hotels, you're getting free internet that's basic and that you can upgrade even today. Some hotels. And, but I remember when we went through it, there was, everybody was doing something different. I guess that was my point. And I think with EVs, Everybody's going to do something different depending on their mix of their park. If they have annuals and not annuals, what their mix is, where are they located, what size every site have it, or just a couple charging stations. And I, and I think it'll be this five to 10 year period of discovery. And it'll be a topic at every Arvid conference because people are still trying to figure out what, sure. what the right answer is. Cause it's so, a different right answer for everybody. And right. it's the mm -hmm. same right. thing. Like, there is no wrong answer. You're, you're right. Yeah, and everybody still has yeah. different different Wi-Fi services that they provide. Everybody still says some cabins are include two people occupancy and some have four and some have eight and we charge extra for people. So I think it's just yeah. going to be what fits best for your resort. But that education, that conversation definitely for sure needs to happen. And I think you're right. It's five to 10 years, but I don't think it's 20 years Wi-Fi one. No, no. You know, the other thing, Brian, you just said, what about dynamic pricing? But that already takes place that in our industry, you're Electric provider charges you different rates throughout the day. So this is what I'm saying. So when you go to book, instead yeah. of the date and time you're coming, maybe before you get a price, you have to choose what's your vehicle, what's your rig. And then a primo vehicle is, you don't see the extra charge as a line item because that would be terrible. Right. People would complain, all, but it displays the price after you fill out those brief amenities and options. And then you get a higher price. It happens eventually at some point. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's, and again, part of that conversation and part of the owners adopting it and more people having EVs is that these reservation systems, new book, CamSpot, Firefly, et cetera, are going to have to build in these features that are being demanded by people. Correct. All right. Do we have anything, Sean, was there anything else you wanted to add on EV, Sean? I know you got, you're having some internet troubles, but I don't know if we have Sean, but if we have Sean, Pop in whenever you have a chance, and we'd love to learn more about Four Points RV Resorts and how you got started too, which I think was the original point of having you on the show. But we're happy if you just want to chime in and tell us you're here whenever you get internet connection back. What else is on the agenda? What else have we heard? Joe, Duncan, Mike, Mir? What else should we be talking about? And we got conferences coming up. Excited for those. I'm going to spend, I'll be living in Florida for two weeks in November. So it's going to be fun. Yeah. yeah. I'm really excited to see what Arvec does. Or I know they've got a couple of EV panels going on. I want to see what on the stars there. I certainly, despite having 210 charging sites, have still a lot of unanswered questions and looking to see more equipment, learn more and really. Yeah. Education is never a bad thing. Yes. So I don't think I'll ever go through a day in my life where I don't learn at least seven new things and realize I'm wrong on five of them. Sean, are you here? Do we have you? We can see you. I finally figured it out, guys. I'm not, I've switched computers and I've so for, for whatever reason it's working now. Sorry about that. No, it's fine. It's perfect timing because yeah. they're really, they're tired of seeing me by this point in the show. Probably about 33 minutes ago, they were tired. <laughs> His router was probably plugged into an EV pedestal. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Sean, do you want to tell us, I, I know you briefly introduced four point, but just how did you get started in the industry? What make you, what made you want to invest in, in campgrounds and do those kinds of things? Sure. So previously, uh, before getting into the campground industry, I was, as far as real estate goes, I, I was heavily invested in multifamily real estate, duplexes, apartment complexes, mobile home parks, and a little bit of commercial real estate. And I happened to go ahead and put a couple of mobile home parks that I had on the market. And the, uh, the realtor at the time had said, look, I'm getting ready to list this campground in Mississippi. Are you interested in this business? I didn't know anything about it. Went and looked at it and 
I went on a Wednesday in the middle of no or October, or whatever it was, and there was like nobody in the park. And I'm like, think of a pass. I don't understand this. He introduced me to some people that had been in the industry for about 30 years. And after doing more due diligence on the business itself and taking a look at it, we decided to go ahead and move forward and purchase it. And once getting a year of operations under my belt, I was like, you know what, this is a really cool business. And it really looked like this was pre COVID. So it looked like where the mobile home park business was whenever I first gotten into it, very fragmented there at that time, there was not a lot of large investors, private equity coming to the space. So you could buy some, some nice parks at a decent rate. Anyway, it was very attractive. And I seen once the business model was put in place and seen how fast we could grow. And once we've seen how much demand we had for that particular property, every time that we added a site or a cabin, it was like, we, we knew that we were getting, going to get our nights per year as soon as we added them. So anyway, I just fell in love with the industry. And as I started going and taking, going to the parks and seeing people come in with their families. And it was like, my job is really to make sure that these people have a great time and really, and seeing families come together and spend time in the outdoors. I just, I got addicted to it. So it's been a lot of fun. It's, it's a really cool experience to know that we're a part of really getting kids outdoors and doing activities with their parents and family members, rather than being stuck inside of a house on an iPhone or an iPad or something. We're really focused on making sure that we deliver an experience to all of our guests that, you know, that they can go away and these kids will remember this for the rest of their lives. And hopefully that they'll, as they become adults, will continue that tradition with their families. Awesome. It's definitely a good philosophy. So I have a, I'm going to put, can I put you on the spot for a second and just ask when you're acquiring a new resort or when you're looking to brand it, right? How do you decide? Yep. You said you own some independence and some Jellystones. What goes into that consideration, whether you do one or the other? There's a couple of things. So two of the, two of the Jellystones that we own now were Jellystone parks at the time that we bought them and we wanted to keep those in the system. And then one of them was not, and we decided to bring that into the franchise. And the reason for that is that particular park needed a rebranding. And it needed, in our opinion, it needed branding in a way that the park was being managed in a way that was probably not the best. So we wanted to let people know right out the gate that, boom, there's a new company that bought this and we're doing some different things. And then bringing in the Jellystone brand and the products and whatnot could be really helpful to a park that, that needs that boost. If we acquire a property that already has a lot of demand or we're seeing a trend in the demand, then maybe a Jellystone may not fit that as well because the park on its own is doing what it needs to do and doesn't need the help that, it, that the Jellystone brand would, wouldn't need to bring in. So for example, like our park at Paradise Ranch, in Mississippi, that park by itself has over 71,000 Facebook followers, and it's got a lot of demand. We're getting our nights per year on our transient sites that are above and beyond what we thought we would do when we bought it. So if we rebranded that to something else, I think it could probably hurt that park. So I think it's all, I think it's all about what does the park need with regard to the branding it's based on at the time we buy it versus what it looks like if we bring it into the system. Makes sense. I was always curious. I know everybody has a different philosophy, right? But it always fascinates me to learn how different people think and make their business decisions. Guys, what else do we have to talk about? We've got a lot of brilliant minds on here and me. So we must have something that you want to talk about that you've seen in the industry. You want to talk about upcoming conferences? Sean, are you going to be at any conferences? Yeah, I am planning to be at Arvik. I do have to go to the Jellystone Symposium the first half of that week. They overlap. Overlap, and yeah. Then, um, and then I do plan to attend IAPA. I've never been to IAPA, and we are looking to add new amenities to our parks. So I definitely want to see what IAPA has to offer. Incredible. That's when what I hear. I've definitely been. I'm excited about it. So when definitely check that out. It's in Orlando right after the Arvik convention. Yeah, so it's about okay. a week. Well, yeah, and it's really designed for... Um, family entertainment centers, and that runs the full gamut of large-scale water parks, indoor arcades, laser tag facilities, go-kart facilities. It's really a... That campground is what a lot of campgrounds are adding to their parks. Is it over the weekend, though? Because I have no, to go to the King Lake Convention. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to yeah, be at the Lake unload, Yeah, They'll unload the Arvid Convention in the Orlando Conference Center, and then Monday afterwards when they'll open the educational portions of it. And I think the trade show opens Tuesday. I'm building okay, a new I'll park. See if I can sneak over because KOA is the same place as Arvik, I think from the 14th to the 17th. Here's the third week of, I believe, because it goes Arvik, IAPA, then KOA. No, Arvik and KOA are a week after each other. Arvik is the 6th through the 10th. And then there's like the Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. And then KOA hits in the same West area of the convention center. 
So maybe I have about the same scenario. time as KOA. Yeah. So anyway, but yeah, I've always wanted to go there. I think Joe exhibited there one year, didn't you, Joe? I planned on it and then when COVID happened, so it got canceled. Oh, we were really, we were, yeah, we were really considering doing it this year. Main reason we were going to do it last time was because Arvik was in Orlando. And so we figured a lot of campground owners would parlay the experience like Sean's planning on doing and going to IAPA right afterward. And we thought about it doing it again this year, but we've just been trying to scale back some of the trade shows we got to. Not that's really happened, but we're trying. So that was a pretty expensive one. Just got to move to Canada. That was my... I'll, actually, the week right after that, I'll be in Canada. So I think the... Oh, the Ontario one. Yeah, yeah. With the Ontario yeah. one's happening. So I would go to that. Nobody invited me. So I don't know. I don't know. I should probably... Yeah, so I, I have Tony coming up starting in, on Halloween and then Arvik, and then I'll be going to Camp X in Ontario. Yeah, Camp X is a really good show. I actually probably wouldn't go because just I'm, my schedule is so crazy and I have vacation planned in December. But And then you're going to Branson too, right? Yes, and I'll be at the OEM Branson in December. Who else is going to our Amir, you'll be at Arvik, right? Yeah, I'll be at Arvik. Amir's a staple at Arvik. You can't have Arvik without Amir. And I'll be at IAPA. I don't know what Camp X is, believe it or not. But it's the yeah. Ontario. Yeah, Camp oh. in Ontario's provincial. I've heard a lot about, okay, so the Ontario show. Yeah, I've heard a lot about it, but. It's a really great show. Yeah. yeah. Alex puts on an awesome show up there in Ontario. Duncan, where are you going? Anywhere? I will be at Arvik because uh, we are nominated as a finalist there. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, for which one? Uh, for a uh, uh, medium-sized park of the year. Nice. Awesome. Congratulations. So we'll see how that goes. And then I'll be at IAPA. So those are our two big conferences then- planned. I think we have another award nominee on the call if they want to toot their own horn. Yeah, we're going to Arvik also, and we're nominated for Large Park of the Year. Well, we could drink together, Duncan, and we both celebrate. <laughs> Sounds good to me. I'll take it. We should have <laughs> next year. We should have like a face-off with all the medium nominees and all the. It could be on the show together. Actually, a great idea, Brian, yes. to have a show with all the nominees. They could just fight Actually, and yell and scream over each other and tell them why they're better. And it'd be awesome. We should, ooh, we could have a wrestling match in person because we're back in person right now. So we can do that. Joe, can you set that up? We can live. Oh, yeah. Run on, run on top of that. Carrot. I have EV charging stations. No, I have EV charging stations. They could bicker back and forth. That's how the reservation panel used to go, right? <laughs> I was going to say, say it sound like a reservation does. It's still that it would be awesome. We had Jeff Hoffman on here. He was peeking in and I'll let him back in if he comes back on the call, but he was supposed to join us. He was at an, an investor conference somewhere. I think maybe it was, isn't there, is it the one in Alabama there, Joe, that Ed's running? Is that happening right now? I have not looked. That would possible. Oh, okay. I saw a little bit about it the other day, but I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, we have 15 minutes left guys. What do we want to talk about? So I got a question for you guys. Have y'all noticed any difference in your customer base with regard to how far they're traveling to your parks now that fuel price that it is uh, compared to what it was two years ago? Are you seeing a shortening of distance? Have you had no impact at all? Just curious if you've seen any change in your customer base with, based with regard to the distance that, you know, that they're traveling to your parks from. It's a great question, Sean. I think being in Florida in the winter, there are only a handful of states you can go to. So I haven't seen any zero effect in Florida. In fact, I have people booking now for 2024, but in my Georgia park in the Appalachian map, certainly shorted distances. I think it's starting to well, think- up a little as gas prices are slowly getting back to where they were, but a few months ago, certainly. I think that answer is going to depend on what kind of park you are. If you're annuals, it's really less of an impact. If you're transient, it's going to be more of an impact. And we've seen considerable change of mix, right? We, our transient mix has dropped and our seasonal actually has gone up. Part of that is so we changed some of our revenue management philosophy, which means our ADR is down a little bit. So our revenue is still good, but our expenses are a little bit up, but our bookings into our season's a little bit different. We're snowbird season. So. Q1 still very strong, but yes, we've seen a shorter booking window, shorter distance travel with transient business for sure. And we've been monitoring this, excuse me, I've been talking to Brian about this for four or five months now at this point, just in general. And it's been going like this a little bit. I don't think it's just the gas prices. I also think it's the economy. I think it's the increase rate. I think it's, and then this will probably persist for six, 10 months. Mike, where's your park located? By the way, the one you're talking about? This one's near Sedona, Arizona. 
And I would say in Maine, most of the guests that we pull from are about three, three and a half hours at the most. And we hadn't seen any real change. Uh, less than 1% of 1% that we would get well outside of the states, out of the New England area. We did see some attrition there, but it was quickly filled in by any local-ish traffic right afterwards. It was a really, really busy summer and a surprisingly busy fall for us in at least New England. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how Mike's Park does over the winter. And then I'm interested what happens in spring of 2023, because I think the industry is in a nice sweet spot where people are still spending all the money they've accrued and didn't spend over the two years they were not traveling as much or doing the same activities they were. And so I'm interested to see what happens in spring. Again, I think we're very resilient. I'm not worried about the industry at all. But I'm interested to see if that behavior makes more of a shift, Sean, like you're talking about in spring than it did. Yeah, I'll be so, curious to see what happens with ancillary businesses like boat rentals or expenditures in your store or food sales or things like that. I think we may see some softening in those locations as people spend more of their money on their baseline trip versus those impulse buys. Yeah, and I think it's partly to do with gas prices. But again, like gas prices, I think was the initial little peak and then they came down. But it, like Mike said, I think it's the entire economy that's impacting how far you travel, not just gas prices now. Yeah. And I think when you get the annual camping report, both from Arvik and from KOA, it'll be really interesting because just like we said, everybody on this call has a different property type. So depending on how regionalized you are, how national you are, depending on what size of property you are, depending on your mix, the answer will be different for everyone. So when we get those aggregated answers about size of park, region, that'll tell us a very different story for everyone, just depending on what each individual property circumstance is aggregated into their property type. So that'll be cool to look at. As far yeah, as the revenue from our experience this past year, for sure at the Jellystones and even in Paradise, we have not seen a decrease in the ancillary revenue. We've actually seen an increase in, in ancillary revenue at all locations. We do have one park that our occupancy was, was down a little bit. And I think that's because it's just a little bit harder to get to. So that's just a scenario where if you really want to go to that property, you really have to make a little bit more of an effort to do so. But other than that, from an ancillary standpoint, store sales, the cafe sales, a golf cart rentals, boat rentals, at least so we've, we have not seen any softening of that. Our dollars per site night have actually gone up this year with regard to ancillary revenue in those spaces. Same trust. Yeah, I haven't heard that from any clients either. That's why I'm curious what happens in spring. I think eventually people are going to spend through that extra money. And then do they continue spending on that ancillary? Yes, they go camping. But does that behavior change? I don't know. It's, it's, well, we'll see. it's a little bit of an unknown because do we get new business? It's still going to be much more affordable than a hotel vacation, yep. right? A Disney vacation. So do right. we get new customers Not into the business? <laughs> And do we get new customers into the business that weren't there before? Do they try out glamping if they can find a cheaper covered wagon? It's a something to monitor, but very hard to predict. Yeah, absolutely. is actually more expensive than the Best Western and the Marriott Courtyard in town. Thanks for ruining our high, Amir. Like we were up here and he just brought us down. Good news. I was going to say, that's not ruining a high. That's like bringing us on a high. Yeah. Not if the behavior is going to change and they're going to go to campgrounds instead of hotels because that's the demanding get for That's the best news ever. Yeah. Anyway, you're right. But I want to, I want to quickly pivot the topic just here for a second. The last few minutes, we've got Jeff Hoffman who joined us and I don't want to let him sit there and ignore him. He looks really tall. How are you doing that, Jeff? I want to like, it's just your camera. You look like super tall and massive and imposing because i'm broadcasting from my car i'm actually at uh, mobile bridgeman's first annual investment event and potential campground developers together to meet in that conference what i forgot to allow for was the hour from going from eastern time across the river to central time over here so that's why i'm an hour late that's all right we got you for a couple minutes so tell okay. you want to talk about the investor conference i read about it briefly but like how like what it is is it well attended is it going well it's pretty well attended what it is people with their project at the point where they are shovel ready and now they're looking for maybe they can't get conventional loans or they're looking at sba SBA or SBA lenders and, or private equity funding. So that, and 
Duncan, I know Sterling Dot. Sterling is here and equity. It's a good conference for the first. It will be re repeated again next year in October. And again, I guess we should probably have you introduce yourself, Jeff. I did skip that because I know who you are and I think some of the people on the call do, but maybe all our audience does. So Jeff, former campground owner, consulting company, do you want to do better justice than I just did? Actually, I've been in the hospitality business for, for that. I've owned just campgrounds, hotels, and, and over the last few years, I've sold them all off except for that's in my hometown. And it's run by a, a good general managers in there. And I found out I do not do well in retirement. So I decided into the consulting business and try to share what I've learned over the last years, how to run a park and how to make that park profitable. Hopefully relieve the stress owning a RV park. Awesome. Yeah. Always glad to have more smart minds in the industry, telling people what they know and helping guide new people to the space. Super grateful to have you. And I like, I wish we would have had more, a little bit more time to chat with you about what your company does and who you work with and things like that. But we'll have you back on the show sometime. I'm sure. Great guy. And we yeah, got to the glamping show for the first time. So, or maybe the second, I don't know. I think we, we talked about it, right? We've been, I've been to Ohio a couple of times, but. So what else is new guys? We've got. Five minutes left. Mike had to go. Okay. I just wanted to Jeff Swarn, know him professionally and personally, and he's a great resource for anybody who's looking to grow their park or start their park or anything like that, that I think Jeff's great. The end. That's my two. Today's appearance by Duncan Winship is sponsored by Jeff Hoffman. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. Yeah. We've heard a lot of great things about Jeff. So go ahead, Joe. I, 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 yeah, sorry, but I do knowledge and would love to help people, but, but no, I'm not, I won't shout about myself, but, but I do pretty well know for the industry. We'll have you, you're cutting in and out just a little bit, Jeff, but Duncan did a good solid for you. We can hear most of what you're saying and we'll have you back on for sure a show when you can be on your laptop and we can hear all about your company and stuff. Go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry. I was just going to ask, I know you did a show from the glamping or you did a, an episode during the glamping show, just days from the glamping show. I don't think anyone else on the panel had been here, Amir or Sean, or don't, did you guys go? I don't think so. I was going to go, but all flights got canceled because of Hurricane uh, Ian. Oh, okay. I was looking for you. I thought you might be there. And Sean, your Paradise Ranch property and you know, obviously all your jelly stones seem like they'd be decent fits for some of those things. So I was just wondering what you all a lot of uh, obviously not attending the show, but future plans for glamping parks. We definitely do have two parks, Paradise and our Jellystone Park in Illinois. We do have glamping units there, which are the uh, the tent masters tents, full rooms, full kitchens, really nice units, and uh, they do very well. They earn a lot of nights per year at each location. I did want to go to the uh, to the glamping show just to see what else was out there that might be a fit for us. It, I just had conflicting appointments and I just couldn't make it, but it'll definitely be on my radar to attend for next year. Yeah, for sure. We've talked about this. We talked about this last week. We had our regular glamping show with Ruben too and Irene Wood, David Drops at Capital and Fury people. We talked about the glamping show and how successful it was. Like 1,400 people there, 77, I think, different accommodations outside. People were there from 37 different countries. They were talking about off-grid solutions with a guy who came in from South Africa. There was a bunch of people from London there. Like, it's just, it's crazy how much it's grown. The last time I had attended, just because I moved to Canada and because of COVID last year, I didn't get a chance to go. It was 2019. And I think it was, I don't know, 500 people, something like that. They were there. So just the astronomical growth is amazing to see. And all these different design concepts. I don't know. Did you get a chance to walk around outside, Joe? Or are you too busy? A little bit, not as much as I would have liked to. I was, to be honest, I was too busy talking both days. That was the busiest I've been throughout an entire conference ever. And that's what we heard from everybody. Like there were, there were a few vendors who didn't go because last year they said there were a lot of people there who were just getting into the business. They were just speculating because of maybe COVID or whatever it was, right? And they didn't own land. They didn't have a plan in place. So they weren't ready to even close to buying if they would ever buy. But it totally flipped this year is what I heard from almost every vendor. And the ones who didn't go regretted not going. So I think this is just, I'm excited. Who knows how big this thing can get? Given where it is in the UK and Europe, that it's a mature market. They've been doing glamping for 20 years, even though they haven't called it that. But the, the people who build the yurts over there have designed and modified and changed and adapted. And I think they've got a lot of awesome knowledge to share with our industry over here. Uh, I would say still about two thirds of the contacts I made were 
in the early stages. So I don't know that it necessarily flipped, but there were just so many people. I was, again, as busy as I was, as I've ever been. So in for two I, full days. I will say the people who all said it would flip were flipped were all accommodation people outside. So I didn't right. talk to anyone yeah. outside. That's yeah. quite different. Yeah. Yeah. But super, like it was just, it was just amazing. And there's just, I don't know, there's no way you can pack all that stuff under a roof at an Arvik or a KOA. And you certainly, they will have glamping accommodations there that you can tour, but they're not, they can't fit 77 like that. Yeah. But for sure. Yeah. You should all go and network and it's just a, it's an amazing time. But I think that's all we got. Does anybody have any final thoughts? Yeah, looking forward to seeing and meeting everybody at Arvec. Let's do it. Like we we'll plan a we'll plan a night out, and first drink will be on me. Forever, who, whoever wants to show up on this show or whatever. Like seriously, we'll get like forty people together. We'll go out somewhere. We have a free night. But yeah, I'm super excited for Arvec. I haven't been there in a couple years either because one was virtual, right? But again, Canadian issues and border issues and stuff like that. So I'm super excited to go back. To, do, to go to KOA as well. I know Joe will give us a great report on Campex and Branson and stuff like that. Excited to get together with people again and hopefully meet uh, Sean and Amir. And I met everybody except Sean in person, I think. No, uh, we, you and I met several years back whenever you went to the museum. Ah, yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I can't help it. I'm old. I don't know what to tell you. I'm old. Not you, Sean. You're a very memorable person. I'm just old and I can't remember what happened yesterday. But thank you guys. I really appreciate you joining us for another thank episode you. of NT Fireside Chat. Next week, we're going to have our RV industry outdoor rec focus show. Looking forward to again seeing you guys all in person. So take care and we'll see you next week. Thanks, Thank guys. Bye. See ya. Thanks for watching this episode of MC Fireside Chats, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. Have a suggestion for a future show or want to see your campground or company as part of an episode? Email us at hello at moderncampground.com. Join us next week for another episode. And don't miss the latest outdoor hospitality news and commentary from around the world at moderncampground.com.